shaking badly. Her clothing was stained crimson in many places. She cried out for him, for his help, and her hands reached for him. Her fingers tightened around his. He felt he was holding on to everything that was dear and precious. And then J.J.'s body convulsed one final time and lay still. His wife was dead. Leon knew that. He could sense it. The market hall was silent around him. Nothing else existed. His entire world had closed down to this tiny space where the love of his life lay unmoving. He touched her face gently. By some means he thought this would rouse her from sleep. The silence continued. And then a carriage clock chimed on a nearby stall, which set all the other timepieces in motion, and the noise of the market rushed into the vacuum. People gasped and moved away a step or two. An older woman cried out in alarm. The little boy with the lantern hugged his father's legs in fright at the scene before him. The word went out, whispered at first. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. And then, louder, passing from person to person in the crowd, spoken in fear. Quicksilver. 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 The autopsy revealed five separate stab wounds in the victim's flesh. And yet, out of the many people they interviewed, the police could not find a single person who had seen anything at all out of the ordinary. Leon James could only state that one moment his wife Jennifer was alive and well and laughing happily at his side, and the next she was lying on the ground, the blood flowing from her. No one had seen her being attacked. No one had seen her attacker. The weapon was never found, only its evidence, the wounds it had made. Here, in this city devoted to light and light only, where no shadows existed, no darkness, a murderer had struck in the middle of a crowded space and slipped away undetected. It didn't seem possible, yet it wasn't the first such incident. Quicksilver! Quicksilver! The terrifying word travelled through the streets as the news spread. Another victim. Another killing. The city's clocks ticked on as ever. Part 1. Day Zone A station called Morning Nyquist stepped down from the train. His fellow travellers either stared at him or avoided him completely as they hurried along the platform, leaving him there, a man alone in a crumpled blue suit and a slanted hat. Smoke from the steam engine filled his lungs. The sky burned fiercely, magnified by the glass panels of the station's roof. Close by, a team of workers were sluicing the carriages down with hose pipes, creating a rainbow effect as the water met the streams of light from above. The air sparkled and danced. Nyquist was feeling the heat already as he made his way to the ticket barrier. It had been a while since daylight had touched him. It was difficult to tell how long precisely, difficult to count the days and the nights because of the way he lived, the nature of the jobs he took on, the way that the city worked. It was easy to get confused. A soft mechanical voice intoned from a nearby speaker column, On your arrival in day zone, please ensure that all necessary precautions are taken. We hope you. Nyquist had heard it all too many times. He strode on, pausing only to look up at the large clock in the central dome of the concourse. It was twenty-five to nine. His own wristwatch read twenty-two minutes past eight. Thirteen minutes slow. He shivered a little before adjusting his watch. He felt better just doing this simple act. Fixed. In place. Many people around him were doing exactly the same thing, changing their watches to the station's time. 
It looked like a ritual, so many fingers turning so many winders on so many dials simultaneously. Nyquist got himself cleaned up in the gentleman's washroom. Braving the mirror, he pressed at the bruise on his face, causing the skin to move around the cut, a livid purple. He thought about covering it up with a sticking plaster, but decided against it. The mark was all he had to show for the case, the only payment received. He walked back out onto the concourse and bought a three-shot coffee from a kiosk, most of which he had drunk by the time he had got to the car park behind the station. It took him a while to remember where he had left his vehicle. A ticket for overdue stay was stuck under the windscreen wiper. He tore it loose and threw it on the back seat, along with his jacket and his hat. The car was baking hot, and even with the engine going and the fan sending out cool air, there was little relief. It was an old model in need of repair, or better still, replacement. Nyquist felt the ache in his ribs where the punches had landed.